Trinity Church in downtown Savannah. I'm passionate about following Jesus, loving my family, enjoying all sports involving the ball, and a constant pursuit to find the perfect bottle of bourbon. And I'm Molly, a Methodist from the West Coast, but after moving to Savannah a few years ago, I found a home in Trinity and a friend of Ben's. My greatest joy in life is simply sitting on the front porch with my husband, my crazy dog, and a great bottle of red wine. On Faith Revisited, we'll talk about our own church as we're constantly trying to adapt to an ever-changing world as a downtown historic church. We'll talk about United Methodist Matters as our denomination faces an exciting and uncertain future. We'll explore church leadership in the 21st century. And we'll talk to different faith leaders about their perspectives of religion today, how we can be more authentic, stop alienating people, and how faith is more important than ever to connect us to God and each other. Hey, maybe we'll touch on a topic that speaks to exactly where you are in your faith. We won't know until we try, right? Let's do it. Welcome to the Faith Revisited podcast. We are here today. We're very excited. We're going to talk about 10 things that your church needs to be doing right now. Like no excuses. These are the 10 things you need to be looking at, whether you are a pastor or a member of the church or just an interesting party who wants your church to succeed um, in what they're doing and reaching new people. So let's get started. Yeah. Things. So number one on our list, 10 things you can be doing. And again, these are things, goals you can set as you look toward the fall or things that you just need to get on top of right now. Number one, hospitality. Focus on hospitality. What tangible signs of welcome do you offer people on Sunday mornings? Well, the first thing that I wrote down when we were comparing lists was donuts. Absolutely. That is the easiest thing, and I know we've talked about this in a podcast before, but having the donuts out front where everyone can see and give napkins, let them bring it into the sanctuary, you know, like go that extra step. They're going to feel so welcome. It's the donuts and coffee. Like, that is the easiest thing you can change. Yeah, donuts, coffee, and lift whatever bans on eating and drinking you have in whatever sacred spaces you have. Those spaces can be cleaned. But for a new person who doesn't necessarily know that those spaces are so sacred, just let them eat and drink. It'll it, it'll it'll pay dividends you cannot even imagine to say, you are welcome here. Not only are you welcome, but you are welcome to eat and drink and be merry. It's 2019, everyone. Let's, exactly. Yeah, we're changing the rules here. So number one, hospitality. Uh, think about tangible signs of welcome you can offer people every Sunday. That's also people standing out front and welcoming, making sure that... They know where the bathroom is, and they don't feel lost when they get there. Absolutely. Any other for hospitality that you had in mind? Uh, yeah, greeters are good. Uh, donuts, coffee. Uh, if there's a way, we do the, uh, the the popcorn. Thanks for popping in for first-time visitors. Yes, um, thanks for popping in. It's just a little tag on a bag of microwavable popcorn that's near the door and says visitors. But, again, these tangible signs of welcome, these are things, tactile things, that, that you strategically, whether it's volunteers or tokens that they can take and consume, mm-hmm. it's ways of saying not only are you welcome, but here's a gift. 
And also another idea is have like a visitor's table somewhere that if they want to find out more information and put it in maybe one or two different places near both entrance and exits, wherever the flow of traffic happens. You know, if it's a new family and they're having to go to the nursery, Put it on the way and have a sign that says, like, more information on what's going on in the church. Um, Make it very obvious. Well, and one thing I would even add to the sign is take one, please. Oh, that's good. Because people don't know that they can take stuff. Mm -hmm. Like, invite people to take things with them. Drop it in your purse. Put it in your pocket. Read it on the way home. Whatever it is, these are tangible signs of welcome that people can take with them. Correct. And even, like, the little pew cards. Mm -hmm. Because... All sanctuaries have the, you know, put one that says welcome on the top and give them some notes right there, you know, just where the easy things. Yep. 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 So hospitality signs, number one. That's awesome. Number two, we have an increased digital footprint. Um, And this can mean a lot of things, and it does mean a lot of things, so don't get overwhelmed with this. But increased digital footprint can mean anything from social media. You need to be on social media. Yes. um, 100%. Um, If you don't have all of the social media channels, For churches, Facebook works very well. Um, That's also basically your Google search engine. So when people are looking up churches, they will probably go on Facebook to see what it's like. Um, And that also includes photos of the church and members and the life of the church. Um, We can do, we'll, we'll do another episode on social media with churches. I think that would be a great topic for folks, um, but you need to show the life of the church in a feed. Yeah, and one thing that that we'll talk about in a future episode, but a couple of pro tips, um, decide what platform serves what function. Correct. So one of the worst things that we all know is you go to a website and it's outdated information because people don't have time to update it and mm-hmm. keep it cultivated. So. One of the things you can do there is keep your website fairly static. You know, information, how to find the church, worship times, you know, just enough to tell a basic story, but then direct people to your social media for more uh, live stuff. So like what's happening right now, you can be cultivating Facebook with that. And then you don't have to worry about, uh, did we take it down on time? Is it outdated? There's no such thing as outdated. And frequently, you know, people don't see those every single post you're going to do on Facebook. So don't feel like you're bothering people. Keep posting about it. VBS is coming up, post about it two times a week. Yeah. I mean, that's just what you need to be doing. So that's part of digital footprint. What's another part of digital? Uh, everybody has a camera in their pocket these days called a phone. Yeah. Have two or three people um, every Sunday that that, that are um, outgoing, friendly people, and have them just take random shots of, of people like, you know, sitting in a pew and there's the Jones family. Hey, Jones family, wave at me and smile. And then just post pictures, you know. It's just a way of showing life and energy in your church. That's great. Um, Another thing for digital footprint is you need to somehow record the service, the sermon. Um, It doesn't even have to be video. You can just collect audio from the same. I mean, every pastor has a mic, I'm sure, for the most part. Record that audio. Um, There's YouTube. You can put it up for people who miss. Um, And then obviously post the link other places. And also... People, you could create your own podcast. Mm-hmm. Have your sermons on a podcast that's released every week. It is, I promise you, I learned how to do all this on YouTube. Yeah, it's really good. And one of the keys there is um, having this stuff for people to access later is so great. In a day and age when people don't go to church 50 times a year, if they miss a Sunday, they can catch the sermon. Also, the longevity of it. Mm-hmm. Can you imagine if you have two years of your sermons put in a place that someone can go back if they needed to? Like, well, now be careful. Some of us don't want to know that two years worth of sermons are accessible, and we may be a little embarrassed by it, but 
But it's pro tip good. there is just don't don't post the bad sermons. Okay, yeah, you can just easily remove. Those accidentally later. forget that one. <laughs> oh, the technical issues. Yeah, yeah whoops, Mike wasn't on. <laughs> but but really, it's good for people finding your church if they want to get a feel. That's how they're going to do it. Is yeah. seeing what the sermons like and the feel of the church. The digital world is the new front porch for the church. People will visit you digitally before they visit you physically. And it used to be, you know, people kind of wander in and have that first visit. We emphasize, which we sh- should still emphasize the first time physical visit, but usually they have already visited you and they come in with some working knowledge of what they've seen, what they've heard, maybe what they failed to see and failed to hear. And so know that people are scouting you out ahead of time. Make that front porch the, the, the best way to tell the story of who you want to be as a church to new people. Absolutely. Number three. Uh, don't assume that people know where to go. Build roadmaps. And this is, I asked before, figuratively, um, this is great. I mean, a new person or even an established church member, give them a purpose. Give them a plan. See where they want to go. Right. So there's a couple of different maps, you know, figurative maps that you need to think about. One is a physical one. And it may be that you have a building large enough that you actually need a map in there. But... People don't know where to go, literally, as in they don't know where to get in. If your signage is out of date, ugly, um, or just lacking, all around lacking, put some signs up. Listen, it cost us, um, I want to say $2,000. And now we did really nice signs, and we have a, a large building and put a lot of signs up. But for two grand, we put signs up that changed the way people visit the church now. I think most any church, if you cared enough about reaching new people, you could get four people to give $500 to reach somebody new. Absolutely. And just the the literal signs you have around, I mean, I think all church buildings have multiple entrances. Yes. So, you know, there's a parking lot, there's a street side, there's this or that, you know, is everyone walking through the sanctuary? Depending on your building, do they know what the sanctuary entrance looks like? That's right. You know, so a lot of these churches now are in different shapes of buildings yeah. so just make it easy for them so people don't know where to go physically people don't know where to go spiritually don't assume that they know where to go spiritually so one of the things that we're working on now is we are working on um, really broadening uh, next steps in discipleship and so two classes that we're going to launch in the fall that, that are going to just be seasonal ongoing classes um, and you know you know a little bit of Greek to get in trouble so the first one is the alpha class uh-huh. second one's the beta class but it is for a new person wanting to grow in the life of the church and grow in their own spiritual life, we put them in these classes. We say, okay, you're new, go to Alpha. Alpha's purpose is to understand what's the church, what is unique about this church, what's unique about you, and what could we uniquely do together. That's that's the three sessions for Alpha. Beta goes a little deeper, spiritual disciplines, uh, how to engage with them, and ultimately how to, how to write your own rule of life, which is how do I live my discipleship on a daily basis. Um, don't assume that people know how to grow spiritually when they come there. Give them tools. Give them ways to, to do that. Give them a map, a road map to kind of go on a spiritual journey. I love to give away devotional stuff, whether it's seasonal or, or just links or whatever. But, but everything you do on Sunday, you should strive to find a way to help people engage it again during the week. Don't and what a great way 
especially if you're doing those type of groups for new folks, what a great way to learn what maybe you could be doing better. Mm -hmm. What are people looking for? And that's going to give you a whole slew of ideas. I mean, members who have been around for a long time aren't necessarily the most helpful thinking of new ideas and what can be changed because that's just what they're used to, that status quo. So what a great way to get in front of new people. Yeah. And and when you don't assume that you know where people go, then you then it puts you in the posture of also learning with them. So if I don't assume that you know where to go, then I can offer what we offer and then see how you grow spiritually as a result. And maybe I end up tweaking the class yeah. or maybe Tweak we end up finding, yeah, we're adaptive that way. But don't assume that you know uh, that people know where to go, whether it's physically or spiritually build roadmaps so people can find their way in and around and through the life of the church. Perfect. Number four is make families a top priority. Why don't you go into this? Families come in all shapes and sizes. It does not have to be the two-parent nuclear family. Uh, We have grandparents raising children now. We have aunts and uncles. We have foster families. We have single-parent families. There are all kinds of families, and I would guarantee that in every community, Families are of some shape or size are looking for a community to connect with. You know why? I have two kids. It literally takes a village to raise kids. Yeah. Well, and even I've been, I'm in that phase of my life. A lot of my friends are having children. And even if they've kind of not been as involved in church or going to church or have a church that they go to anymore, depending on where life has taken them, when they have kids, that's one of the first things I hear is, I really want to raise them in a church. I want them to have that experience that I had or, you know, that's a great way to get people back in. Yeah. And so you, you can focus on families. And that's your target audience. Yeah. I mean, it really is. And you can focus on families in a number of ways, but I think I've said this in a previous episode, but I really think it's true. One of my working um, theories is if you aim at families, you're going to get people of all ages. Yeah. But if you fail to aim for families, you're not going to get anybody because older people, new retirees, grandparents who, you know, maybe in that second chapter of life, they want to go to a church that's got energy. And for them, energy is families. Absolutely. Um, And it's not being prejudiced against those who don't have families either. You're there for everybody, but you have to make families a priority because children growing in their faith is essential to what it means to be church. And parents need all the help they can get. Exactly. And even if, I mean, our church started with a very very small group of kids when you got here. Um, So there are things you can do to bootstrap a children's program early in the beginning. It doesn't have to be this massive. I mean, we just started doing VBS in the last few years um, and developing that. So you don't have to come in with a Noah's Ark of children's programs. Like start with what you have and build that as you go. Yeah. And look at, you know, maybe even start at looking at the space in your church where kids meet and say, if you have kids or even if you don't have kids, would I want, would my child or would I want my child to thrive in this space? And if you can honestly say yes, then good. Move on to something else that you can make the focus. But if you look at it and say, you know, the furniture's kind of outdated. The toys are kind of broken down. This looks like a room from the early 1980s. Do something with that space. Mm-hmm. I, I don't subscribe very often to if you build it, they will come. <laughs> except on this one. Yeah. <laughs> because we literally took space did the uh, refinish the floors painted we had two kids coming to church Mm -hmm. and we built it and then kids were coming but it's because when they came for a variety of other reasons they saw space we took pride in so make families uh, a priority perfect number five um minimize meetings and increase opportunities 
to make meaning. I love that. I always think about Mike's and me. Yes, Mike Slaughter, the, he's now retired pastor of the Gingham, Ginghamsburg Church, Methodist Church in Ohio. Uh, Mike took that church over uh, like 30 people, and they have like thousands now. Um, but I was at a conference once where he said people are not looking for more meetings in their life, they're looking for more meaning in their life. Absolutely. And I, this is something that I also, we both agreed on when we joined our list together, but I feel like going into summer, so, you know, spring was very, like, our calendar was heavy. There were a lot of things going on, meetings, groups, um, luncheons, all this kind of stuff. We came into this first part of summer, um, what, month, May, June, and we really, our calendar took a step back. People are on vacation, but what's interesting is the flip happened, and people are fired up again. People want to be involved. They're asking for things. They're getting together again. The energy levels ebb and flow, and if you can have your calendar be flexible and forgiving, um, that's, I mean, you can't ask for any more. They're going to be wanting more. Yeah, and you're doing you're doing a great uh, precursor for number six, but one last little point on, um, on meaning. Yes. Too often churches think holding a meeting is actually getting work done. I wonder how many of us, after we have a meeting, can honestly say these three things are going to happen now. Or do we just say, well, we met about it. Meetings do not equal productivity, and they definitely don't equal meaning. I see what you're saying about that. Like task force and committees, and if there's not a purpose and goals coming out of that every single time you meet. Just because because your, your group has been meeting every month, just because, and you just throw together an agenda, and then you sit around and talk, that does not give meaning in their life. So if they don't have a meaning behind it, maybe stop meeting. Maybe they want some freedom in their life to find meaning again, Mm -hmm. and not just be strapped down to a whole bunch of meetings. But that goes, that flows right into number six. that goes into number six, create a calendar with flexibility, which I kind of went into, but that goes along with meetings. If you're tying people down the whole time, where's the creativity? Where's their room to grow? Um, create that space for them. Yeah, I would do. Um, I would do an energy audit, Ooh. like, like uh, and maybe even get like a cross section of your church, 10, 15 people, and and over the course of a year, show them a calendar and have them identify the months that they feel the most stressed out and the months they feel the least stressed out, and then find out why they feel that way. And you know, for example, we cut most meetings and programs out of the church in December. You know why? Because we always assume people are busy with Christmas stuff. Well, why don't we do that like in May when the end of the school year is happening? Yeah. And we're asking you to come to 15 meetings and you've got graduations and you've got class parties and all this other stuff. Not to mention that it's getting hot and people are just tired at the end of the school year. So if you do an energy audit, you can kind of say, here are the seasons of the year that are um, prime for us to, to ramp up activity. And here are seasons we need to pull back. So it kind of goes to what you're saying yeah. that that if we know we stumbled into it this year um, because really we had three or four meetings just flop. Yeah. And I realized this is like weird because everything's been going gangbusters and all of a sudden three meetings not only I mean they flopped like people just didn't even want to have them they canceled last minute. Yeah. And so I realized okay people they, are people, a little tired. People now. are tired. Yeah. Easter was late. People are tired. So if you sort of say ahead of time, this is a season when that's likely to happen, pull back a little bit. Well, I was talking to one of our committees uh, this week. They love meeting every month. And I said, why don't you give each other uh, June and July and maybe even August off? Like, how could we do that? 
easy. You don't have a meeting. Yeah, wait, wait. But when yeah. you come back together, you're going to love being together yeah. because you've had that, that time apart. Yeah, and think break. of all the new ideas to come out of there and work, and that's also goes back to the meaning. Yeah, so calendar flexibility uh, is number six. Number seven Number seven is find and foster leadership. This was your suggestion. I love the way you worded that. Tell me more. Find and foster leadership. So whether you have an established church or a kind of newer growing population, I think it's really important to start reaching out to people um, in your role as a pastor or just a lay person and see where they're interested in, what kind of areas do they have ideas for? Um, where the, what are their passions? You know, um, the job has a lot to tell about a person's interests and strengths, but they probably don't always want to do what they do Monday through Friday of the week. So really talk to them and pick out some of those people that you can target as being potential leaders um, and just start having those conversations. Don't get weird and push stuff on them and make them jump into things already. But if you're fostering that relationship and getting them going with ideas, more than likely they're going to step in into an area where they're going to thrive. Yeah, and, and you're right about just because they someone has a job in one area, sometimes they do like to bring those skills to the church. I knew a lady once who was a CPA, and she was real clear, and she said, don't you ever put me on the finance yeah. committee. And I'm like, why? You're a CPA. You'd be perfect. She was like, I, I do that Monday through yeah. Friday. I do not want to do that. Church is my uh, respite. Absolutely. It's my escape from the grind of numbers. I want to do, and her big thing was like like spiritual direction and uh, being creative in those ways. Yeah. So, yeah, don't assume that you know what people want to do just because of their job. Like you just said, get to know them. Um, have, a, have a relationship with them. Absolutely. And things will fall into place. It's just, it's fostering those relationships. Um, who those people will more than likely be leaders. And it may be something you don't even have right now, an area that's not fulfilled. But when you start chatting with them and figuring out what they're into, a whole new thing. Yeah. So one of my favorite stories, we have a a young woman in the church. Um, She does, she works for a a firm, an architecture firm. Mm -hmm. And, and she does like not graphic design, but kind of in that, in that realm, marketing type stuff. And so early on, we identified her, and we were wanting to get a new church logo. Yes. And we were like, she does this for a living. This would make perfect sense that she would want to do this. And so we go, and we talk with her, and she's wonderful, and we pitch the idea, and she says, nope. Not interested. Not interested at all. And it turned out, though, that conversation, three days later, she sends me a long email and says, I know you wanted me to do this, and I don't really feel like that's my area that God's calling me to. But I was a part of this mom's ministry when I was in Virginia, and I think we should start that here, and I'd be willing to lead it. So the fact that I went to her and had the wrong conversation, it opened a door for the right calling to be identified, and she started Band of Mothers. And it's a great That mom's group. That mom's small group is probably one of the top 10 successes that we've had here in the last three years. 100%. So just find those people, target them, and start fostering that relationship with them prior to even pitching any leadership. And I want to say a word to pastors, too. Um, It is your job to invest in people relationally. It's not just your job to kind of use them for whatever ends, you know, as means to whatever ends you have. And the challenge that I would put out to a pastor is it is probably alarming how many people are just dying for their pastor to take enough interest in them to ask them what are you passionate about? I would totally agree. So. Yeah. Just as much as you wouldn't want to be used. Um, 
you don't want to use your members yeah, either. Absolutely. Number eight. Number eight is talk openly about giving. I this know. is one of Ben's favorite topics. It is. It's that four letter <laughs> word, giving. Give. No one likes what give. Word, that yeah. is give. <laughs> <laughs> we 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 don't like that four-letter word give, but it's because it's a very vulnerable topic. Correct. Finances are something that causes the most arguments in a marriage, and we don't even like to talk about finances to our spouse, much less openly at church. An entire congregation. Right. Yeah. But I think we need to get over that and talk about giving in intentional ways and not just do it when it's pledge time for the budget. Correct. Giving is an act of discipleship. We express our faith in God in many ways. One of the important ways is through the ways in which we give. If God gives us everything we have and is the source of all good and perfect gifts, then as an act of faith and trust in God, we give back Mm -hmm. part of that so that, uh, you know, not just so we can fund the budget and pay a light bill, but so that the kingdom work can happen. Yes. And so to frame it in terms of discipleship and to be intentional about talking about giving openly is huge. And I would even partner that with another topic that I always throw into my giving um, spiels, debt management. Yes. People, I've not met many people who've said, I don't want to give. If they love the church and they love God and they're growing in their faith, they want to give. The struggle is they don't think they can. And one of the biggest reasons they don't think they can is they are covered up in debt. Yeah. So we do Financial Peace University. I just talked to a layperson who's going to, I've been, I've led the last two and he's now going to take over. That's great. And we are trying to help people understand how to manage their money better. And a big piece of that is when you manage your money better, then you know the proper place for giving. Absolutely. And I do want to add in, you don't have to feel slimy about it. I mean, no. I feel like that's kind of how it's always been. If you're just giving a sales pitch on the pulpit, which is not what anyone wants to hear. No one enjoys that process. But if you talk about things during the year and not even just with, you know, giving of your tithes and offerings, but what about helping different organizations? We've had some special offerings. Mm -hmm. Um, We have been talking about working with um, a local elementary school we partner Mm -hmm. with. And so giving is very much the tithes and offerings and getting people their fellowship that way but there's so many other things that could be beneficial Mm -hmm. to the person so talk about it openly that's well and framing it as we give and whether it's financially or whether time and service we give to God Mm -hmm. now we do it through the church but the slimy part comes into like this this humble fake humility approach of I want you to give but I really just want you to give so that the church can have more money yeah well no we want the church to have more money because it's really about God having Yeah, and here's more what we're resources. doing. Prove That's it. right. Prove ooh, it. Ooh, and you just reminded me. Um, celebrate successes. Because of your giving, X, Y, and Z has happened. Yeah. One of my favorite things to do at the end of the year is um, I always do uh, the, the top five and five. So five days left in the year, which is December 27th-ish. Sure. Um, yeah. Well, th- yeah, 31. So the whole congregation gets an email on December 27th, and they hear the top five things that happened that year. And it's because of their giving, we say because of your giving, these five things happened. And then the challenge comes. 
you have five days to make your final gift for the year. Yeah. And so one of the cool things that happens is it's not a, a slimy approach. We do it on December 27th. That's usually when you hit that lull in Christmas celebration. So people are paying a little more attention. Yeah. Uh, people are also more sentimental and they, they, they've loved, they've had a great Christmas. Yeah. They feel generous. It's a great time of year that, that, that not that you're playing on and manipulating them, no. but you're, you're, you have a generous heart. You do, yeah. and, and you want to celebrate people. And hey, this has been a great year of ministry. And, and it's also, way, it's very exciting to read the summary of that. It is, and 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 with the celebration comes gratitude. You always tell people thank you for giving. Don't just assume that they have to give. Always a thank you goes into a giving request. And what a great way if that's the last five days of the year going into the new year with a bunch mm-hmm. of goals and excitement that's right. and ready to turn it around. That's right. So, um, perfect. Number nine. Number nine, develop a maintenance plan for your building. That is probably the most boring <laughs> one we're going to have on this list. But it's so important to have your building because... You can't do anything if a, your building's in shambles. And if you're definitely you, not getting. If you are renting a storefront, or if you like pop up in a gro- uh, 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 a, a gym, store. Well, well, not a grocery <laughs> store, a, a gym or a school, yeah. or where you may Movie be in the grocery theater, store. Yeah. Who knows? Good on you. Like that's awesome. It's a lot of work to set up and break down every week. But if you have a permanent building, please, please, please set a maintenance plan for that building because I can tell you one of the worst things we can do for the leaders 20 years from now is deferred maintenance. Mm-hmm. Nothing kills a building worse than deferred maintenance. And guess what ends up happening when you have deferred maintenance? All that generosity, Way all, all that wonderful it. stuff that people have been giving to God ends up being overspent on a building that we were not intentional AC about caring for. and toilets for. and mm-hmm. flooring. Yeah, and that's... I mean, You just named three things that were broken literally today in this building that we've so had funny. to address. Well, and, you know, make a list of those things. There's someone in your sanctuary you can rely on as an assistant or a something to get wrap your mind around it if you don't know much about maintenance get someone who can help and fix things before they're completely shot and broken yeah i mean don't wait around it's going to cost way more money oh (laughs) well and one of my favorite ones so one of our church members is a wonderful contractor Mm -hmm. uh and his wife listens to the podcast so i hope she's catching me bragging on him (laughs) but he he has a saying i love he always says the cheapest option is always the more expensive option yeah because don't cheapskate a fix. Don't rig it. Your members just, will be more thankful. Just spend the money up yep. front the first time around. It will last longer. It'll be quality work. And that way you're not wasting missional giving towards the maintenance of a property that you should have cared for 20 years ago. Absolutely. So maintenance plan for and the building. And have a plan. Like a yes. literal plan written down. Yeah, and goals. With things and, you know. Replace if, things if you on need time. To fix, exactly. Every year, every, you know, whatever you have to do. Yeah. So number nine was uh, maintenance plan for building. Number 10. Share congregational care ministry with lay people. This is yes. one of the most recent things that we're working out here at Trinity. Do For pastors, do not be a lone ranger with congregational care. I know too many pastors that spend countless hours visiting and caring for people. Not that that's bad, but largely because they think they're the only ones who can do it. So however you can grow and cultivate support in that... Um, you know, whether it's starting with, you know, volunteers who make sure that meals get prepared for funerals. That's a good one. We have a, a card writing ministry. So I have two or three people that they write cards to shut-ins on a regular basis just to tell them that they're being prayed for and that they're cared about. Whenever there's someone in need or someone's had a family member die, these card people do that. The newer one that I'm really trying to grow this year is 
to create a program we're called a Congregational Care Minister Program, where four or five volunteers actually share in the visitation duties. That's awesome. Now, I'm going to still visit. I'm yeah. still going to know all of the needs, but... It's congregational care, not pastoral care. Well, and how nice will it be if you are in the hospital to have another friendly face come and yeah. stop in? I mean, and I've read nowhere in Acts chapter two or anywhere else in the New Testament that said, <laughs> "And the pastor did all the visiting." Yeah. The people cared for each other. Absolutely. The pastors helped facilitate that. So bring lay people in on Find care for Enneagram each other. Twos. Yes, yeah. absolutely. I'm an bring, Enneagram too. Bring lay people in and empower them to care for each other. Big I love one. that. Oh. I have a bonus. Oh, a bonus one. So we said 10, and that was 10, but I want to throw in an 11th. Okay. Number 11, your bonus, what what you must do right now, model whatever you want the culture to be. Oh, explain that a little more. Okay. Whether you're the leader or you're a team of leaders, preferably if you're the one leader, start sharing this immediately. Ask yourself the question, where do we want this church to be? What's the culture? How do we want it defined five years from now? And start modeling that right now. One of my favorite stories um, is Church of the Resurrection, Adam Hamilton's church, largest United Methodist church in the country. One of his staff people tells the story that like 20 some odd years ago when they were still meeting in a school, she was a single mom, friend told her to come to church. This new church in town is really great. She hadn't really gone to church much, but you know, she decides to do it. She goes and she's a little apprehensive and but she's met by the friendliest parking volunteer ever, wearing his orange vest, and he greets her at the door, and he's just so excited to see her, tells her everywhere she needs to go, how to get to the children's area, all of that. And she thinks, gosh, that is the nicest volunteer. I've so never, nice. never thought that would happen at church. So she goes and she sits down in the auditorium, and she's ready for the church service to start, and all of a sudden, that parking volunteer walks onto the stage and starts preaching. <laughs> Adam Hamilton used to be used to work the parking lot too. Yeah. And what he did in those days, I mean he just took his vest off, went right in and started preaching, but he was modeling for volunteers the culture of volunteerism and how to welcome people. We were out there a couple of weeks ago for a meeting and I learned asking one of their volunteers, you actually have to sign up early to volunteer for events. Really? The culture of volunteerism is huge. And that's what he fostered from the very beginning. That's what he modeled. He modeled it from day one. Immediately. And that's what's great. I really like that. Um, yeah. Model whatever you do. And, and, and one of the one of the mantras that I've started saying to myself is the way you do anything is the way you do everything. The way you do anything is, is the, way the way you, you do, do everything. everything. So whatever you want the culture to be, every decision you make, every initiative you take, every every step in that direction needs to be modeled by whatever that culture is. So if you um, if you want the culture to be that we're an inclusive church, for example, then every decision you make, you need to ask the question, how does this make us more inclusive? It needs to run through that filter. Exactly. It's a filter. So um, no decision is 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 worth just discounting. Every decision you make is intentional and it works toward that goal. What are a few other examples of culture or just off the top of your head? Um, things that, you know, if they're like, well, I don't really know what my culture is. Obviously, our one of ours is very inclusive. Inclusivity. Well. Um, inclusivity. Is so so what we do is we do this mix. We we I want us to be just very basics, like discipleship 101, like just how do we intentionally grow in our faith? And then we add the inclusive piece because we're trying to reach people to say, 
Everything that you want the church to be, we can offer that, but we're going to do it in a slightly different way. We're not that judgmental church that maybe you experienced. We're not that closed-minded church that maybe you're afraid of, but you can grow in your faith in the ways that you've always dreamed of. Maybe you grew up in church and it's just been 20 years since you've gone. You can. We're a very traditional church, pipe organs, hymnals, you know, choir robes. We have the trappings of a church from 100 years ago, but we try to twist it with that inclusivity piece. So that culture then says two things. How do we, every decision we make, how, do, how can we be more inclusive and how can we help people grow in their discipleship? That's great. Everything we do has to run through that filter. So we're getting better and better at it, but we really, that's a, that's a big And make goal that intentional and talk to people about it. Yeah. Don't keep it to yourself with that Get culture feedback is. from people. Like, like, hey, if I told you our culture is this, how would you say we're doing with that? And yeah. they say, man, I, don't, I wouldn't catch that at all. Well, then you know you need to do some things yeah. differently. So the way you do anything is the way you do everything because we need to model whatever we want the culture to be. I love that. And I think all these 10 points are good, whether you are a pastor at a church, um, a lay leader, a member, you know, these things are all items that you can you can bring up, you can talk about, you can start working um, and moving towards this, but these are 10 things that we are intentional about um, and we're working towards, so. Well, and so just in case we've got that type A person oh, who's good. sitting there we're saying, them all. who's sitting there saying, uh-oh, I missed one of them, Quickly, I'll run through them. Yes, please. Number one, hospitality. What tangible signs of welcome do you offer? Number two, increase your digital footprint. Number three, don't assume that people know where to go. Build roadmaps. Number four, make families a top priority. Number five, minimize meetings and increase opportunity to make meaning. Number six, create a calendar with flexibility. Number seven, find and foster leadership. Number eight, talk openly about giving. Number nine, develop a maintenance plan for your property. Number 10, share congregational care ministry with lay people. And then the bonus, number 11, model whatever you want the culture to be. Thank you so much for joining in on this podcast today, uh, faithrevisitedpodcast.com to see all the show notes, which we will list these 10 as well. Please leave us a review on Apple iTunes. We're really excited. Thank you so much for joining us. See you next time.